Hello everyone, it's Paul Newbegin here from the Past Podcast with some very exciting news. I am absolutely delighted that Series 5 of the Past Podcast is brought to you in partnership with our wonderful friends at Chefworks, who are our sponsors last time round as well, so it's great to have them back. And as you'll know, they are famous for outfitting chefs, kitchens and front of house all around the world. Chefworks offer a collection of great uniforms, so to check out their full range, you can visit chefworks.co.uk. Thank you again to Chefworks, and it's great to be back for Series 5 of The Past Podcast. Enjoy! So next up, I also approached Mr. Paul Leonard from the Burlington uh, in North Yorkshire near Bolton Abbey. What a stunning setting. What a prestigious restaurant uh, and one of the single nicest individuals uh, and also most talented individuals that you will ever have the blessing to meet. Uh, I really, really had a great time meeting Mr. Paul Leonard, so I hope you enjoy The Abbey will be busy, but right. it's quite nice in there. You guys shut the right for Mondays. Good news, the guys are still in for breakfast and afternoon tea. Mm. So I think there's 30, 35 teas tomorrow, which for Monday is decent, isn't it? It's my cold Yeah, yeah. That's, so. uh, it's one of those things, isn't it, when you do something like this, it's so multifaceted, yeah. isn't it? It's just so much going on all the time. It's, it's a case of coming in. You come in, sort of like how there's normally starts. Breakfast shift starts at half five, six. We're in breakfast. Into the, we'll do a staff briefing at about eleven. When breakfast is finished, down look for the rest of the week. Then lounge service, afternoon teas. Obviously, we've got about seventy staff to feed as well. So staff dinner, into teas again, two sittings. Then ready for dinner service, which can be mental. Then that's even without all the conference and banqueting and the private dines and everything. So it's yeah, it's busy. It's busier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I took it, but that's a good thing. And it's yeah, just getting busier. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's. I look at it and go. I've known the for ages for for years. Obviously, coming from Hull, it's it's been down the road. And I mean, when I was a young chef, I was coming up, and it was Michael Wignall here, who's for me phenomenal. Uh, so it was at Bellington was always a place that I fancied, and then when it came up, it all just everything aligned that it was the right time to come but I didn't think it was going to I came down one bank holder before we started and literally saw it and it's like this today and I was like oh wow what we got ourselves into <laughs> but we've done it and we've gone, gone our way and we're proving yeah. happy with where we're at yeah. so. how, long, how long are you into your sort of career here is it a couple of years so it's uh, we are April now aren't we it'll be two years yeah, in August I was thinking it was two years so yeah, so, yeah. August 2017 is when we moved down yeah. So it's 
he's still fairly quite new infancy, still, yeah, yeah. And we'll, the, I look at it and we're only saying the other day the changes that we've made what we've done and sort of like people are speaking about as I'd like to think now in and out of the industry uh, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to come down here because ultimately I love Deriska I love Scotland as a whole uh, I love Deriska because Beppo gave me the opportunity to go there Ross had obviously got a star there my first head chef job to basically take a restaurant with a star in it was like wow at the time I didn't realise how big it was until you look back at it and go god that's something that you're taking on there yeah. I mean, luckily we retained it, uh, but we didn't have the footfall. We didn't have the people. It wasn't accessible for people to come and eat our food. Uh, Bit in the far flanks. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You, I mean, you look at it. You could tell when there was an inspection because no one ever came up as a one. <laughs> so, you were, so you were cool with that. Uh, but you didn't have the, the chefs coming up. The foodies as much as you do here because you can. I mean, we're, we're an hour away from Manchester. 40 minutes from Leeds we're well connected plus Yorkshire's becoming phenomenal mm. for food and restaurant yeah. I say becoming it's always been great it's always had a great reputation but you look at the small independents popping up now I mean even just York at the moment is phenomenal I love love going across there and it's nice that they can come here and yeah it is a bit nerve, nerve wracking sometimes I mean we just did a networking lunch with yeah. 15 different chefs of course you had a bit of a sleepless night but ultimately you're there you're putting out what we do and we're proud of it and we're at we're nowhere near the end goal, yeah. but we're a little bit further from the beginning than we were. That we're saying sense. that because obviously I'm sponsored by Chef Works, who were there, yeah. and they're saying to, to Chef Works, you know, it was funny seeing that your lunch because obviously I'm coming yeah. in a few days, but then also I'm like, oh, there's there's Neil, yeah. there's there, you know, and you can like recognise half the crowd. I'll tell you what, it was walking into a room and it's sort of like you look at it and you go, we had the menu planned and we put some brilliant wines on there. And I think we maybe overstretched ourselves with the dishes we did for lunch. But, again, it was just trying to go, look, this is us, this is what we're doing. Some of the things you might not like, but ultimately it's just cooking and our ethos from... Definitely from the dev. Maybe it changed a little bit, Ariska, because I went in thinking we wanted to do one thing but realised that that's not us. And I guess you find yourself in a way, without sounding too daft, you find yourself in a way that this works for you, so we're going to stick with it. And ultimately for us is buying the best produce in and basically treating it with respect, disciplined, serving it to the guest and we'll be happy. And generally that's worked for us. So I'm not going to veer off that at all. Yeah. I'm going to keep it nice and simple, uh, make a brilliant sauce, treat the piece of meat, fish with respect, get some beautiful vegetables either grown by ourselves or from a supplier. Uh, again, treat them with as much respect as you would do the protein and then send it out and hopefully the guest smiles because yeah. that's what it's all about well obviously as we were just sort of alluding to there um, you're kind of one of the chefs that I almost see like I feel like I know but <laughs> I don't know because obviously you've been mentioned a couple of times on the podcast by James Tom Shepard gave you a shout yeah, out from Tom obviously because yeah. you did a little crossover didn't you oh, the yeah. um, so obviously it's great now to finally have you on so welcome no, and thank, thank you thank you for joining me no thanks for having us it's, it's nice so obviously I was, I was kind of thinking as I was coming over you know reading about you as I do and you know you're saying about the kind of providence of food that you like to use in the Yorkshire area yeah. but it also kind of struck me so that kind of must be one inspiration yeah but then you look in here in the dining room yeah. and how grand it is that kind of must be a second inspiration yeah. mustn't it to you it's got to be I mean the food that we Dev I always say one wherever we are I mean when we're up in Scotland we're in the lakes you've got to use food from that area 
And that's not saying it's better than anything else because if we do find a better product, and it's a cliche nowadays, you can find something further afield than use it. But our menu is not massive, it's quite small and concise, and it gives us a place to work with local suppliers who are amazing. You build up that relationship. So for me, we've got to use them, and it works with the seasons. I mean, we're using some beautiful lamb and hogget at the moment from Ryan at R&J, who's phenomenal, and he knows the spec we want, and it comes in perfect. Then we know he'll give us the farm where it's come from, the farmer's name, the age, how long it's been, how long, it, how old it is, how long it's been aged for. So we know everything about that animal, that piece of meat before it comes in. Uh, so why wouldn't you use that for me? As long as the quality's there, it's brilliant. Mm. Uh, there's some things, I mean, some things that we do use which are a bit further afield, sort of, been talking to Phil lately about a strawberry dish because we know we've just February we've got all our strawberry plants ready we're over around the corner so we've been using the Garrigan strawberries from France just literally just to get this dish ready for the summer and there's not at the moment we've got our chocolate desserts and we've got things uh, we're waiting for the berries to come through so we just put that on as a trial with some sweet Sicily from down the lane uh, but we'll use them when we need to but mainly it's more about Yorkshire sort of for me you come to Yorkshire to try the produce that's here a massive county amazing suppliers uh, so we might as well use them and I say I mean you go to Spain you want to eat the paella don't you so it's exactly the same as that yeah. you want to try as much as you can and we're not a dining room where you can come three nights a week you generally find people come repeat guests maybe once a month so we are just keeping it seasonal and local and it's like you say it's got to fit into a dining room it's mm. Devon Charams which is it's a country house hotel isn't it for one of the well it's, it's what it's known as and you expect to... I mean, if I was in that dining room with dry ice and all this crazy stuff, which has obviously got a place in cooking, but not here. I think people would look at us as got two heads. Yeah. Uh, and that's... I think that's the balance sometimes. Because we've got a team of 15 guys in there, and they're watching all these things on social media. It's amazing. And they're trying to get some of it. If we want to try these things, which of course we can but our guests wouldn't receive it as well as they could at this moment in time. So it's just a case of finding what works for the guest, what works for the chefs, which works for the building, works for us totally, and basically makes it the whole package. And that's that's pretty much the provenance, the, the style of the food. But it's, either way, it's just got brilliant. So that's the main thing, isn't it? Well, from, you know, from the pictures I've seen so far and followed you pretty much since James put you on my radar yeah. however many years ago you know the, the food that you've been doing here it seems to have a really strong identity if you like I can whenever I see somebody that's eaten and I can see a picture of their food I can tell it's that's, something that's been here you know yeah. is that kind of something that you're quite keen on in like establishing yourself now and what your food is I think you know what I think it comes naturally I think it in a way but the food we're doing now is nothing that we're doing when we first started I think we're a lot more polished we're a lot more refined and that comes down to the team that we've got around us. I mean, I'm lucky. I, I think I said to you earlier that yeah. two months after... Well, as I started, one of our things were to get the four-day weekend for the chefs. And we started with not a very big team and a lot of agency chefs. So, obviously, that wasn't going to work for us. So, managed to speak to a couple of lads I knew they wanted to come down. And girls, sorry. Lads and lasses, sorry. Uh, and then slowly we built a team, which we've got now. I mean, we've lost maybe four chefs in two years which for me is phenomenal yeah. and for that for me that means we can have a consistency in the food a consistency in the team and everything we do you're not you're teaching new things rather than going backwards to teach them the basics that we learn and I think that's 
that helps the food look as it is that so we all work together and go we want it to look like this it's consistent in that way as well mm-hmm. but it's, I mean it, it looks good it's got to taste well as, as well and that's the main thing that we go we go for I think I like a nice plate of food but you can look at it and you can identify everything from it we don't try and make a strawberry look like a raspberry or it's it is you get a piece of asparagus it's prepped well it's cooked well in the season and for me that's yeah. that's what it's got to be and we make it look nice on that uh, and I think that's totally it all ties in to build an identity of course you want to do that you're a chef out at the end of the day and you want people to know that's your food and relate to it and I'd yeah, I'd like to think we were on the journey for doing that, but like I say, we're nowhere near where I want to be. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll talk about your, you know, your ambitions. I was interested because obviously you mentioned amazingly that you listened to the the show in the past, yeah, and you've got your five dishes written down yeah, in front I was of you, all prepared. How how did you come about choosing those five? What was the sort of process, if you like? Do you know what it was? Tom Tom uh, Tom Shepherd, didn't he? He listened to us and it was brilliant. It was inspiring how how he'd been through it, and I thought we could could write five dishes that we've done or created throughout our career and I thought no because there's better dishes out there and I think it's dishes that I've tried to put things down which are they've been personal to me we've carried them on in the career and not just the dish has taught you something the process and everything about it or the a little story anecdote behind it has helped you with it but no, I thought Tom was very clever when he did that and it was great listening so, good okay well let's have your, let's have your first one so, the first one would be at the beginning of my career was I moved down to I was 20 years old moved down to Petrus in Knightsbridge to work with Marcus Waring uh, Alan Williams was a chef there and staple on the menu was the custard tart which he I believe it was beginning of the GBM wasn't it and he served it to the Queen uh, he used to make three every service so lunch and dinner and uh, it was just amazing for many reasons one it's so simple but so precise uh, which I'd, I'd like to think comes across now we're cooking now but also I remember lunch services that you never had time to go and eat so you'd be you'd be on garnish swapping bits of your garnish for half a slice of custard tart to share with your mate <laughs> it was on there or the chef to party would give you a crumb of it and you'd remember it uh, and that's that to me was I, went, I was working in around Hull uh, place Willoughby Manor Hotel Tickton Grange which were great two rosette properties and you're in there and you're cooking well and you think you've a boy when you go down to London and you soon realise you're not uh, and that was the first thing that hit me and the first dish I'll always remember was the custard tart which we still make it to this day you may Phil grumbles a lot about the custard tart because whenever someone goes oh, can, we're here for three nights what can I have so oh, you you'll have custard tart to finish <laughs> and we'll make it and Phil's a very Phil's our head pastry chef who's very technical and he likes flavours from all over and we're honing it's what it is but for me, it's a brilliant dish, and it can, it can it's seasonal. It can go with anything. I mean, at the time we were serving it with, I always remember them serving it with plums. I always remember it being, and this is how long ago it was. It was always on glass plates, which is, seems to have gone now. Uh, hopefully, with slates and everything. But uh, yeah, it was loads of nutmeg on the top, beautiful right angle on the pastry, and just a delicate tart. It was it was beautiful, but. Uh, I love that. Phil doesn't quite as much, but it'll stay on the menu when everyone's uh, asking. But it just it just reminds me of yeah. What I'm how, fe- thirty five. How old will you be when you're uh, Petrus? How old so you I was twenty. Yeah, I'm thirty five now. That's crazy that it stayed with you all that so, time. Yeah, and it is. But I think that's the classic, and yeah. I think a lot of people see that fads, fads and fashions come and go, don't they? But something that's just and it will at the end of the night because we whenever we do it, it's a table of two, so you portion it into eight, 
Vigenuous. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's always six pieces left to scramble over. Yeah, and it yeah, always yeah. reminds me of being back in that kitchen there, making sure a chef didn't see you, but this piece of custard tart gravitating around the kitchen to, until it came to you and it was... So that's... That's the first that's one, the basically. First one. Yeah. It's funny that you said that, obviously, because we're talking then about James Alcock, weren't we? Yeah. And he was whole yeah. boy, went down to Petrus, and then you, you obviously have done the, done the same. Yeah. So what... Was it just your kind of same thinking then that you know you needed to step it up a level to you know if you wanted to progress in your career? Yeah, it was. Well, I guess it was. It was a bit of a mental time to be honest. Twenty years old, you think you've been on me. I'd done, I'd, I'd done bits. I'd been at Wilby Manor and left and did something else and went back. Then went to Tickton Grange and it was like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. And it was. It wasn't a moment just going right. I've got to go to London to conquer the world. It was a case of let's just get out there and see if this is really for me. I'm young enough if it isn't for me and I'll be honest with you there's times when I left there that I thought to myself I don't think I can do this anymore and I looked at different careers and stuff and it was it it just fell back into it I'd say fell back into it it's wrong fell back in love with it in the most probably right way because you've got to love it to, to work mm-hmm. 15 years ago in that kitchen was tough mm-hmm. it was a diet of yeah diet of propolis Red Bull <laughs> uh, Saturday <laughs> night into so stay out till six sleep all this and they went back in the kitchen uh, and it's yeah it was tough but it was amazing as well and I mean to this day when you look at that dish you look at it and just go that's still with us not just because of the food but because of the memories and everything how precise it was yeah. uh, that stays with you and I think that's that's great but one moment just came right I'm going to take over the world by moving to London more of it was I spent two hours there and thought that's the next old train back yeah. it was but we did it, and I think it set me up for the rest of yeah. the career. Basically. I suppose it must be quite an awakening for a young chef, mustn't <sighs> it, to sort of realise how much you're going to have to give. Yeah, it's nuts. And I remember what the pay was, was not a lot. I think I was left for about sixty quid, and, sixty eight quid a month after paying for my digs, which was a bed sit in Shepherd's Bush Road, Hammersmith. Uh, I had a little fold up bike. I drive to Hammersmith Station in the morning get the tube and ride it back through Knightsbridge on the night and it was just it was nuts but I think it set you up to know that mm. you've got to put that hard work in sometimes to go and look was it's five days a week I was in tears most probably six days a week because it was tough and I've got no obviously at the time you're upset you're sat there in the kitchen with what 40 chefs and you're there blubbering over a stockpot or something but I've realised now that you that's what makes you who you are mm. today I don't want that to happen in our kitchen I don't want <clears throat> I don't want to see guys so upset that they're reduced to tears I want them to sort of I guess it's I guess in a way it's that time in London has made us realise how I want to run our kitchen as yeah. well and the later kitchens that you work in who in my opinion do it right I'm not saying they did it wrong but you look at it and just go we need to treat we're not going to have an industry left if these guys are, are like this because they'll just go work somewhere else for more money and not not want this yeah. so it's that's also maybe brought into it well I think like what you said there you know and I've, I've interviewed numerous chefs who talk about how important retention is yeah. and how massively the industry will have changed in that what 15 years yeah. you know it's it's just chalk and cheese isn't it you yeah. know you, to keep these you know to keep your brigade you you have to run it in a certain way now and even doing things like the four day week like yeah. you've alluded to that's still a big 
topic and the industry, isn't it? And it's huge. And you know what? I think you see, you see a lot of restaurants doing a four-day week because they're closed for two or two and a half are closed. When you've got a... Yeah, Rebellington's closed on a Monday evening. But we've got six services, Rebellington. Cover every breakfast, afternoon tea every day, lounge. We've still got everything to do. That's hard because you've got the crossover period as well where I've got a guy on ladder three days a week but he won't see the guy because he's having his three days off and the guy who's just been off is coming in to cover those three days so the communication's really key in that but the retention is because I think they know what's right and they know what's wrong because we've told them that and it's a case of just saying if you do do something wrong taking the time to explain why it's done wrong how to do it better next time I'm not going to say it's beautiful in that kitchen because we do our own moments, of course we do it's, there's a lot of pressure when someone's paying £90 for dinner mm. uh, but it's a case of let's treat these like human beings mm. because I wasn't in my early career and it nearly made me leave so I don't want that to happen to these guys yeah. uh, some people will because some people are just not cut out for it or it's just not their calling or they're not, they're not into it they like the idea of it we look at it it's still hard work it's just not as brutal it's maybe the best way of saying it <laughs> yeah let's, uh, let's have your second dish second dish is from my time at the Samling where I worked with Tomo uh, Ian Swinson was head chef so I'm sure you've heard of it worked with Phil Harris who's our pastry chef now near and more for me this dish was on the tasting menu and it was a little veg salad uh, and it was basically at the bottom you had like a little uh, ham hock croquette a comfort quills egg uh, some goat's curd in there then it basically it looked beautiful but it was basically looked like a veg compost pile in a way it was ribbons of carrot, baby carrots turnips and loads of herbs uh, and it was beautiful really fresh stunning dish and the dish was amazing but it brought us into knowing a guy called Ken Holland who I'm yeah, sure you've heard yeah, of yeah. who's a legend up in these parts well everywhere uh, and that that's a massive turning point for basically my career where it went as well because suddenly I realised that these don't just come on the back of a Wellett's crate or something you grow these and we're going to taste amazing and you yeah. understand them totally and it was a real eye and there was a guy, a guy called Bjorn May who was the gardener who's now up at the forest side with Ali who was the GM there yeah. uh, and we'd, we were there when we sampling put over raised beds in and made the garden so we're getting it fresh from the door I'd never seen that before. That's crazy. It, yeah. it was like must open your eyes, yeah, wasn't it? It's nuts because you're coming from London. <laughs> yeah, you come from there. And I'd done a few bits before. We were in Yorkshire. I mean, I did a bit of Feversham Arms as uh, it was Suva, but no, no one had the space for a garden, and no one pushed the garden until we got there. And I mean, we're standing in the eleven bedroom hotel, uh, twenty-two covers max, which was a nice number, and we had stuff growing on our doorstep. And we were in the lake, so we could pick stuff as well. We didn't do massive amounts of foraging, but we picked what we needed. Uh, but meeting Ken was... We just hit it off straight away. And I've not seen him... I've not spoken to him recently, to be honest, mainly because we've been so busy here. But I know for a fact that he's still always on the end of the phone and he'll... If we need any advice or anything, yeah. he's there. But I think he's... he's Start a revolution, maybe not the right way, but he brought to the forefront that you can just... Especially in the north of England you can grow your own stuff and if not he'll grow it for you yeah. and it'll be spanking and you'll know about yeah. it and he just knows everything I know you look at the top chefs who he supplies who pays their menu around him sometimes I think it speaks volume and that, that dish was basically 
I remember that one because it was a great dish. I thought it led with the vegetables. Yeah, add your, your ham hock on there and add the quail's egg. But it was the vegetables which were a star of the show. And it just changed my mentality of sort of like cooking and design, designing dishes, thinking of dishes overnight. But it was just like, look, these guys are just as important as this. And we've we've kept with that. And I'd like to think we've most probably taken it and run a little bit. Uh, but it was, yeah, meeting Ken, working with Ian. Uh, the team that we had there was small. I mean, listening to Tommy's podcast when he was, he makes it. I was lucky that I missed all that when there was just three of them in the kitchen. But I know them, and obviously, and Tom and uh, Lewis really well, and we're all great guys. And we deserved what we got there. It was brilliant. And we we came on at the end, and obviously, we, we already had the star. We, we kept the star. We, we moved moved it on, carried on what they started, to be honest. Uh, but no, that was a great dish. It was good. With mental times there. Mental times at the summer. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, as you kind of get, as I get to know more about the industry and the people in the industry, you kind of realise that there are a few kind of selective kitchens in the country where if you kind of have worked there and the people that have passed through those kitchens, they sort of tend to then become top talent and exciting people and it yeah. seems to me like now you say I haven't met Tom no. I've got Nick Edgar on this series yeah. from the Samling you know his time there and you were in there you can't you start to all oh, like you know you must be pretty decent if you've worked <laughs> there or it's just you know the right processor in place the, the Samling in a way was it was nuts I mean like, most people know in the industry the kitchen was tiny the equipment wasn't great obviously we've had a big like million pound refit haven't we and built a new restaurant it looks stunning uh, for me looking at that Ali Ali was a big part of making the salmon what it was I still, I love Ali to bits and obviously we were down, only down at Forest Side the other day having lunch with him but his drive and passion was phenomenal uh, he didn't go about well he, he still doesn't go about stuff the right way sometimes <laughs> but he does in work and he's great and he's always on the end of the phone for advice and he's just a mate but a mate who wants stuff done properly and I think that throughout that's sort of like the DNA throughout our time at the Samlin because I know Thomas still owes him and Harry Gardner and Nick still got great and all the guys I mean Phil still speaks to him because he was there with us so it's he's even got me on Facebook for some reason (laughs) I don't know why I've never met him just seems like a friendly guy no he's a great he's he's a great lad and he's a funny lad and he's a character but he's phenomenal at what he does and I think it sort of like rubs off on you when, when you're working alongside him and it makes you want to be better yeah along the, pushes I, you yeah and I think if you surround yourself with people who who push you to be better or make you want to be one a better cook but also a better person mm. then you're going to do alright with life aren't you well I was when I was reading the a Caterer article I think it was about you coming to the Burlington I think it quoted Ken Holland who you're just talking about saying yeah. about you know it was a good move for you and, and I think yeah. he almost encouraged you a little bit didn't he well Ken, Ken did as well Alistair we talk about Ken or Alistair then well Richard. I was talking so, I read well, Ken, Ken was in the article encouraging yeah. you but I'm sure Alistair did as well yeah both, both from the I mean when coming down here was I guess it was a big move again and I like to put myself I don't like people who work with us as say I don't think we're cocky or egotistical but we know what we want and we try and yeah. get it and moving back down to Yorkshire I think at the time it was Edgar had just been sold so Beppo had uh, sold the business that he had for 44 years uh, and it it was just looking like our home wasn't going to be there I, I was planning 
So we started in August, I got married in January, so we were doing all the wedding planning and everything. Uh, and it was it was a case of, this is a big shot, should we go for it? So obviously speak to people in, in the industry, and obviously I was be lucky enough to speak to Chef Andrew, uh, Ali, Ken, and all these... I mean, there's loads, there was Edouard, who was a F&B master of wine up at Eriskand. All these people, Beppo was involved as well, speaking to him and just saying, what do you think? And the response was positive. There was a few people who were negative about me coming here, basically thinking that we weren't going to succeed. But we, for me, there was enough people I knew, trusted and loved, who said, this is, this is the right move for you, Paul, for your next step. Uh, so we went for it, and I'd like to think we hadn't looked back, which is good. And those guys, you know, for me, like I say, I've been following you, and like we're talking about on the way over, you know, when you put certain chefs on your radar, and you're almost sort of as a foodie, you're almost kind of saying, right, impress me, you know. Yeah. And and I think for everything I've seen, you know, obviously we're going to die now. Yeah, you've got dinner to tonight. Don't put so, too much pressure on. Well, you know, I want to put the pressure on because we, you know, we, I've got you know been following you now for the last yeah. couple of years, so to be here now it's obviously yeah. it has been the right move yeah no I think it has and I think those people who, who you look for for answers basically and a little bit of support you've got to take that support on board and, yeah. and listen to them and just go right and even through the tough times you listen to they're there for you you listen to them and you just keep going because not every day is perfect is it no, no matter what you do <laughs> so it's a case of just going get the bad days out of the way yeah. and just go and focus and one thing that we never stopped doing here was just just trying to move every day improve in a different in a different I mean it can be something from picking the table decorations like we were out the other day picking something or looking we're working on a new bit of charcuterie with a guy uh, Jake down the road or looking at a new lamb supplier or working with Ryan for something every day there's always something going on for something different uh, and that's it's tough sometimes to keep yourself going and when you do need to relax you do and just leave it put your phone <laughs> off but I think it's di- different for the guys in the kitchen as well yeah. because uh, they're just like just give us a rest Paul yeah. but then they've got the mentality as well and you see them coming with ideas as well so it's, it's infectious which is good let's have your next. next dish this is the classic smoked lobster with lime and soft hair butter sauce from Chef Andrew uh, up at Andrew Fairley's so it was this is the next stage of my career, really. We were finished up with, finishing the salmon in the way, and one of the major reasons we chose to go up to Scotland was Robin, my wife, uh, her father passed away, and it was Robin, her parents were split up, and it was Robin and her two sisters, and it was really, Robin needed to be up there to support, and she's done enough for me moving all over, so it was like, look, we need to do this. And it was random, we were over in Oban, just, Oban, which is weird, because we moved back there, but uh, we're just on holiday for just a weekend as all this was going on. And I'd done a stage with uh, Andrew Fairley's, uh, with obviously Chef Steve who was there, and got a message from him just saying, look, it's a job, are you interested in it? And it, it must have been, I'm not a massive believer in fear, but obviously someone was working out, but it was like, look, this is... This yeah. is maybe maybe yeah, right for us. Yeah. This has come in. A very convenient yeah. convenience. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I've got no qualms. I was looking for a chef position at the Samlin. And maybe if I would have got somewhere, if we'd have just carried on waiting. But Chef Stevie messaged us. We spoke. We spoke on the phone and we went up. And if, if it had not messaged us, I could have just been working somewhere. My career might have been different. But 
we ended up going up there we got a little house in Creef uh, immediately walked into that team and realised that this is the finishing school if I'd have not been if I'd have been a head chef prior to working in that kitchen there's not a chance I'd have been the head chef of the Devonshire Rams now nowhere because that kitchen is you should aspire to run a kitchen like that in my mm. eyes uh, not just the food the way that it is it's uh, and this dish the, the lobster dish I remember it was on Lardwell I didn't spend much time on Lardwell I was between other bits and uh, every morning the lobsters would come in fresh as a daisy the guys on Lardwell would be stressed because they've got to prep them especially on a busy night so then you'd prep your lobster well in salted water iced water prep from out of the shell the shells would then be smoked your lobster would be the meat would be cleaned up perfect absolutely perfect the sauce would be made then would be put back together and then you'd gently just steam it to get the smoke infusing the meat and god when you try it it's literally but it goes again to be so simplistic yeah you get it on your plate and it's half a lobster but everything has been done right to that lobster and it's been treated with so much respect from the sourcing where it's coming from uh, how it is in the kitchen basically everything is perfect uh, and it is and I'm certain it'll be on the menu for a long time up there yeah uh, but again it invokes the memories of being in that kitchen which was it makes and I said this I burst out into tears when I left there and there was Chef Andrew and Stevie in the kitchen and I was leaving that night because we are moving to Eriska and Pepper and Chef Andrew knew each other and Andrew had a little bit of a plane to me gave me a decent reference to get the job up at Eriska which was nice uh, after a short amount of time I mean we were just there 11 months no 13 months up with Chef Andrew it wasn't a long time but it was enough of time for me to go your shoes had to be polished wash your trousers every day make sure you're looking like nice neat apron have a shave hats on for service sort of like it made you a better person yeah. as and it did your cooking no end of good because you're organised in a way your cooking's going to be yeah. on point or as much as it can be we've had another uh, chef this series from Andrew Fairley and again yeah. it's like you said I think he's a, from what I you know heard of what he was like you know a real believer in people and push yes. you and I mean you just have to look at the people who came out of there don't you uh, it's mental and I'm in no way putting myself in regard as sort of like the people who have like your Mark Abbott's your Ian Skazmoza your Lorna and these guys they're phenomenal because we spent so much time with Andrew and Stevie and Dale who were in front of house but they've they've got it embedded in them I was lucky enough to for quite a short space of time I'll never forget that time yeah. and it's it's moulded you finishing school is the best way to mm. say it and it is and you look back at those times and it's you say it to, to yourself sometimes what would we have done up there and it was just it's the best kitchen I've ever worked in and ever likely to be no matter what I aspire to be at and I can't hold it in much regard and it was obviously Chef Andrew but then obviously Stevie was, has been with Chef for so long but it, he's exactly the same and I mean God we even we even started running when we were up there I think we did about two and a half marathons ten k's a couple of ten miles and it's like nah I'm a fat lad from all that's not what we do up there but it made you want to be a better person and the food was amazing and you brought in the garden element as well there which was we were working with Ken at the Samlin and you went up to, to there and you had uh, we've still got it and it's just developing and developing 
we've got the secret garden which is maybe about 10 miles north up on the way to Perth and the produce are uh, phenomenal you know, Joe Campbell running it who is from this area actually from, from down Yorkshire she started did a little bit with Andrew Penn at the start oh, yeah. but she's exactly the same so down to earth but they were picking things washing them putting them in the containers and it looked it was the most unbelievable produce you've ever seen and it was coming into the kitchen perfect and then there was small amounts of prep and it was sent out and it was the nicest things you could have so it's that dish invokes so many memories of being up there not just the food for discipline but also the dish itself is relatively simple and you're just relying on the quality of a lobster the discipline of a chef and then it's sent out and hopefully it goes back whoop goes back to making that diner smile which is what what we're all yeah. about to be honest it seems to me like looking at you know your career so far and your dishes each time you've kind of wanted to move it's to push yourself to yeah. learn more to go further are you are you kind of your own toughest critic and you know you want the best out of yourself oh but that's yeah that's a great statement to say but it's also i'm not exactly the most confident person which people might say is different after 10 pints of Stella singing Oasis <laughs> in the local boozer. But as a person, I'm questioning myself about absolutely everything. Uh, I don't really know why that is, but it's just something that seems to have stuck with me and I've, I overthink stuff and I pick holes sort of like in everything we do and it could be the nicest thing ever, but I'll still find a way to be upset about it, why it's not as good mm. as it should be or something. But that's... That's what I'm at. I'm 35. I don't think I'm going to change. So I have to deal with it. Yeah. But career-wise, yeah, it's always on to the next thing. I mean, we, when we started here, we were lucky enough to retain the three rosettes in the January, which was happy with. It was cool, and everyone in the kitchen was like, "Great work!" And it was like, oh, "Listen, while we're here, we need to move on to the next one." And which it's not, yeah, which we which we did work like nice and swift, which was a good night. But it's also we can use accolades as a benchmark and I think that's generally where, where we should use and we shouldn't shouldn't aspire and you shouldn't live your life for the accolades you should just be cooking amazing food and then accolades will come and I think they just prove that you are cooking great food because mm. those guys know what we're talking about and if they give you the accolade then you know you're on the way and that's not saying we don't want it of course we do but we want to get it by cooking great food yeah. and running a great kitchen and not setting ourselves mental about it we just want it to be natural and just say, uh, like the word, like we're striving for Michelin stars and things like that. Well, everyone in the industry should do because that's how you get measured. Yeah. But strive to be the best you can and they'll come as well at the same time. So that's, yeah, that's our outlook on that. But it's always moving to better ourselves and make everything better. And again, that sends the lads in the kitchen mental a little bit as well because constantly we'll do something, I'll sleep on it, and the next day I won't remember until service. And I'll say, <laughs> Yeah, let's just do that. Stick a bit of preserved lemon in that. You've got a Julian of preserved lemon to go in that fricassee we've got. And we'll be like, I said it'll be up in two minutes, chef. I'm like, oh, we'll be fine. Go on, crack on. <laughs> and it's, but it's always thinking about it to move on to the next thing. And I guess that's most probably with a confidence that we're trying to make it better all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're at with that, basically. It's, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, spent about a, you know an hour in your company yeah. and a bit of texting to arrange yeah. this. It seems to me like you're a really caring person you know it, you can tell there as you introduced all your staff to me it really matters to you what you're doing the people you're working with the food you're doing it it really you really care about what you're doing it's it is it's my life at the end of the day yeah and it is and we 
Vir's got, we wouldn't be anywhere without the guys in the kitchen. And the fact that they've moved 90% of the love, apart from Alex and Sammy, all of them have moved away from where they live, their families and everything. Well, Sammy has as well, because she's moved up to be with Alex, but that doesn't really matter, does it? But uh, we've all moved away from the family, friends and everything to come and work here. So, of course, we've got to make sure that we're happy, we're comfortable, we've got the days off that we need, we look after them before their week helps with that. But I'm also proud of, so proud of them because they've got, not all of them have come from background, have been lucky enough to have a background that we've put ourselves in with sort of like the restaurants yeah, that we've been in. Yeah, it's, yeah. We, I look at it and go, but they're the next, they're the next level of the future. I mean, we've got a lad in there, Fraser, who, junior sous chef with us, he's 21 years old. He worked with Ross up at Eriska, so amazing ground in there. And when I took over, he stayed with us, which is appreciated because whenever there's a chef change, you're always a bit wary you're going to keep that. Yeah. And then he's moved down here, uh, and he's just flying. But he's like a sponge; he takes everything in, and he's well respected in that kitchen because of that. And people people look at that and just say, "Right, we want to be be like that." But we've also got careful because he's 21 years old. He's away from his family. Uh, he lives in a house in Skipton. He's Scottish, so he obviously likes a drink. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> but we we expect a lot from these guys. So yeah. it's only right that they expect a lot from me back, me and the business. So and it's in our nature as well. We've always been. My mother's always caring. I'm, I'm father. We've always kind of always make sure that there's food on the table and stuff like that. And <laughs> someone comes round for a cup of tea, we end up having a big buffet or something like that. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a Leonard trip, but. Uh, it's, Are you a feeder? Oh, my mother was, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, but she's. We've already had yeah, cakes. That's it, there you go. In the two got about 12 courses out. here waiting oh. to come up. But, uh, I can't wait. No, I think, it, I think it is. You've got to care for the guys. Yeah. You have, and you've got to understand that it's a two way street. It's not very. Uh, and yeah, if you are here to work to a standard and push this place forward. But if they do that, their career is going to be pushed forward as well. And we've just got to give them back and make sure we're, they've got everything we need to make sure it's right, to make, yeah. to make it as simple as possible for them. Well, it's interesting, you know, obviously you said you don't sort of feel like you're a very confident person, but thinking about the being at Andrew Fairley's and this sort of finishing school, like you said, to then go to the head chef role at Eriska, was that because of the confidence that it had given you at Andrew Fairley's? Did you feel, like, ready to do it at that time? I don't, yeah, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't think I was... If I thought about it too much, I thought I'd never be ready. But the opening came up, and we just went for it. I thought it was right at the time because we had, we were, like I say, we were looking for head chef before when we left for Samlin. And looking back on it, it was totally wrong, like I said earlier. But it came up. Obviously, Pepper wanted us. Uh, chef Andrew gave us a, a, a nice reference along with basically a few other people. And we got there, and the first four months, I thought. This is this is mental. I'm not sure I've made the right choice, but then they're always the hardest, aren't they? And as long as, and I've learned from massive from from that time, but get through these. You can't, and maybe another thing, you can't change everything straight away. You can't go into it and go right. This is how we do it. You've got to take time. There's still things here which we wrote down when we first started that we want to achieve or put in place here, and we're not there yet. So you've got to sometimes be patient and look at it and. I wasn't at Eriska. I think I ran in, tried to be too fast, and after about a month, it was like, well, I'm getting stressed because I want to do this. 
but I, don't, I can't facilitate that. Okay, it can't happen. So I think as Robin said, just take a step back. Cook it quite seasonal up there as well. So I started up there in September. So September, October were mental still with tourists. Then it came to November and it died off a little bit. So when it died off, it was just just take a step back, just look at where you are, and look at what you need to do. And then slowly, our food started taking shape. The kitchen started running how I'd sort of imagined it. It wasn't, I don't think it was ever how you imagine it in your head, is it? But, and then the little bits were going, then suddenly you get respect from the guests, from your staff, from your suppliers, from the people in the area. And then it seemed to click into place and we started getting a bit of recognition for me being there rather than Ross gaining the star and us retaining it and moving forward. So it was... Yeah, we, we, I guess you look at it and you do need confidence to step into that role. And we must have, we must have had it, but it was <laughs> tough. And maybe two, like I said, two months in, I most probably thought, God, what have I done? But getting through those two months has, yeah. has helped us yeah. again to be where yeah. we are. I'm a massive believer that it, you get through the hard times, you don't just celebrate at the end, you've got to look back and go, why were they hard? How can I make it easier for when this comes along again? And when how can we make it easier for the guys in the kitchen because they'll all be going through this at some point in their life. So when when it's their turn, I want to be on the end of the phone just to go, right, it happened to me, mate, let's stick oh, with yeah, it and yeah. do this. Because we want to be that shoulder for the guys, the generation coming up, which is, I hope you give us a bell anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's have your next dish. Next one is, it's the first one of ours, which is a... Pig cheek langoustine dish, which for garnish changes with the seasons. It's a technique, again, the pig cheek's technique that we learned at Fairleys, which is cooked with a little bit of caramel, some lemongrass, and you make a cartouche of uh, kelp. We were picking it from uh, Eriska from down at the pier because Eriska, the produce, the area was phenomenal. Uh, you could get pretty much everything. Fraser still goes up and picks mushrooms for us in the autumn, brings them down, sir. Uh, but it's pig cheek and just a mussel, then we layer, bring it down. Uh, caramel makes a beautiful glaze it's nice and sticky uh, then we put some cured pork fat up there we had uh, we had to run pigs before I started I walked into loads of pig legs and stuff so we cured some of them and this dish was born sort of like with some cured uh, back fat that it is now uh, langoustines which were obviously up there fresh as anything we used the same supplier Celtic Seafair is we used the same supplier that we did up there down here because they're perfect and they're still coming beautiful pristine condition uh, but we just cook that really, really lightly, so it's still, I don't want it to cook like rubber or anything. And then the garnish, I mean, at the moment we've got it on, you'll be in it tonight with a little bit of shaved fennel uh, and uh, just a nice little sauce infused with uh, fennel, fennel seeds and a touch of fennel granola. And it is, it's the simplest dish ever, but all the works in, get those pig cheeks right, get the langoustines right, cooking, and the garnish fits in. I mean, we've done it with, with a little bit of celeriac before and some apple, uh, we did one with some pickled morels and some gem and a little brown butter emulsion and it just changes but for me that dish will work really go away because it's got it's the fair, I'd say it's the first dish that we put on the Eriska's menu which I mean Eriska's menu changed every day as well because you had guests minimum stay was two or three nights so we had to change the menu every night which brought its own problems but for pig <laughs> it brought a lot of organisation yeah organisation was mental it was sort of like you had fish supply every day but meat twice a week fish twice a week which is nuts when you think that you're on the coast in Scotland but uh, but the supplies were great and that's that also brought the fact that you had to really rely and get to know your suppliers 
make sure they knew what we were talking about, what we were cooking, so that they gave us the right mm. stuff. But visit, I'd say it's the first dish that we did at Area School, which I'd say influenced by many people, but was really ours, which we put together. And we had, we had great reviews by it. Uh, and it stayed on. We've just brought it forward here as well, and it's in here, and it's it sits on our cart menu. Uh, it's like a couple of nice plump langoustines on there with pig cheek, fat going over. I've Look, seen the pictures of yeah. it from the networking. Looks amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's just really well received. But it's just people always say, "Oh, I'm not sure it works together," or reading it, it won't work together. When we try it, and it's just like, yeah, it is because it's a classic surf and turf in a way, isn't yeah. it? That pig cheek's not got a lot of fat through it, so you need to you always. You've had a few people say, oh, pig cheeks can be quite dry because you haven't got the fat through there. But we put the extra fat through there. We make sure we sit in the liquor so we soak it all up. And we're just a nice little glaze. And it's one that's stuck with us. Most definitely for the next year, it'll be kicking around in some guys. <laughs> but again, that's, it was a big part of the career that being up at Eriska, it was up there. I mean, the inspections that we had, we ate that at least twice. So it must be all right. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's just please. I mean, I remember sitting down, we had dinner couple of months ago and sat down there and sometimes you you favour dishes don't you when you go in and out and it just made me smile straight away as soon as you had it and again I keep saying food that makes you smile it's I think because that's what you want it to do you want something to go yeah bring us that's good that's that's nice and if you can do that if you're going to evoke an emotion from someone in the dining room or something that makes it all worthwhile Mm. because I think going for dinner is such a massive thing especially when you're at Eriska because yeah, it was, it's either a long journey for a non-resident or you're having to pay a few hundred quid to stay over. So it's, no, that's why it was so important for me, that one. And we do, it'll stay in. We've tried it with scallops a few times. We did, I think this is maybe a dish that James was speaking about where we put the turbot skirt on it because we were playing around with that for a little bit. But we're stuck with a premium langoustine now and it stays with it. And it, no, it's good. It's, it's I think it's good and it's well received. So before we come on to your last one, and you also know that you're going to have to pick a, a favourite out of yeah, these five, I wanted to ask you, and we were sort of talking about it before, about you know the making the move to here and, and sort of seeking advice and stuff. I wondered what it was about the project and what you could sort of see in the future here that you know made your mind up. You know What was it that sort of sold it to you? Ultimately, the dev was always... Like I say, the food scene in Yorkshire has always been brilliant and I think it's only getting better now. I mean, Michael Wignall's open 10 minutes away, which I think personally well, thinks... It? It's competition, <laughs> but you can't compete with Michael Wignall, can you? For me, it's phenomenal. You look at... There's, I don't think there's another chef from the UK like him who can work that technical and that many flavours onto a plate, just make it phenomenal. So it's that, for me, is great that he's down the road because it's somewhere great to have lunch. Oh, go for dinner, yeah, it's brilliant. Been, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's fabulous. So, uh, but like I say he was here when I was growing up or just growing, growing in to be a good cook or or a chef as whatever you want to call it uh, Demonstrams always been held in well regard and I remember dining here when Adam Smith was here and I thought it was phenomenal and we wanted to make the move down to it like I say we were getting married and wanted to make the move buy a house in Yorkshire uh, family were all in Hull I grew up in Hull uh, we've got friends that generally move out around a couple in Leeds and so it's I mean you get back to Holly an hour and a half it's far enough away but close enough (laughs) that you can just go yeah and it's perfect so on a personal side it just fitted in perfect it's a beautiful part of the country not in a city because that's Robin I mean Robin grew up in Scottish borders 
in a farm with literally her house and fields and sheep. So she she's not a city girl at all. Uh, and for me, I, I grew up in Hull, but I've sort of grown out of it a little bit. Yeah. And I like it. I like taking the lads through. Well, we've got the lads, two dogs, which we've got uh, <laughs> uh, Lav and a Cocker Spaniel who are mental. You must probably see flying around at some time with Mrs. But uh, for me, that's that's time to go yeah. out. And I'm not saying we go out and reflect and all that rubbish because that's not me. It's we go out and just have a bit of time to yourself and just go. Just time away from yeah, it, isn't it? It yeah. is. Just uh, headspace. It, because you're constantly thinking here. But the dev, the draw of it was, it, it's just how well respected it is, how respected it was. And for me, just I wanted to take it to the next level. I wanted to go, the chefs who have been here are amazing. I wanted to reach that level. Then I wanted to be almost, move it as relevant as it was when I remember it. And everywhere else that's opening around, stand toe-to-toe with it and shoulder-to-shoulder to make sure that people looking at rebellions and at the devers yeah. that's always been great and it's even better now yeah. uh, it's going to take a lot because <laughs> the chefs are phenomenal who have been through but we're, we're determined to do it do feels to me like you're at the start of a project yeah. rather than you know you've just come for yeah it's we're we're not it's been there's been parts of my career that have been quite fleeting and you've just gone through like I say 13 months with Andrew Fairley up at restaurant Andrew Fairley it's not a long time in your career really yeah we took from that amazing amounts this is I mean we just bought a house we're settled we've got a great team who are I mean Phil's looking at places around here maybe maybe to purchase a house he'll let me for saying it but push him into it uh, <laughs> but it really is about moving it two years we've achieved I think we've achieved a lot but nowhere near what, what we yeah. want I mean one day we want it to be up there with where it should be to be honest and that's not just accolade wise it's the respect in the community nationwide mm. chefs coming and, and trying it and we just want it to be we want to be proud that we're serving our food in the Devonshire yeah. Rams let's have your last dish and then you've got to pick a favourite I'm afraid right the last one is again from the Devonshire Rams but it was cooked by an absolute legend called Paul Prophet and Paul Cunningham uh, so last year we revived what we call the food week here but we changed it to called Devour which uh, was a week long of guest chef nights and bits and it it was phenomenal it was great Mr Wignall came and cooked last night Paul Cunningham and Paul Prophet came and cooked the first and I was at Senior Siri and Matt Finney I'm sure everyone's heard of he's a great guy again <coughs> phenomenal job for us uh, he's good friends with Paul Cunningham and we were looking at who we were going to get and he was like uh, I'll give Paul a call if you want and I'm like <laughs> yeah whatever uh, and he agreed to do it and it was like wow then Prophet came across as well who's the most fun the pair of them are the most fun ever but we care so much about food and they came and did three dishes and we cooked three dishes alongside them which was nerve wracking enough uh, to a dining room which was 48 people I'd say 22 of them were chefs yeah. uh, which was I saw quite a yeah, few chefs at that event it was nuts uh, but the they cooked a prawn masala dish which was great we cooked a beef dish or they cooked for a turbot dish and we finished with an apple tart tart fiend called it apple tart fiendish with brown butter ice cream and it was the most one of the nicest things I've ever tasted ever it was watching because the, the story goes on, they arrived on the Monday we had the calendar girls in doing an afternoon tea so the original calendar girls so we were flirting with them all day <laughs> then we uh 
Paul Prophet had to go down unfortunately for a funeral down to Birmingham so he didn't arrive back till Tuesday at 6 o'clock service started at 7 and these Apple type things weren't weren't made uh, so he comes in has a quick quick brief with Mr Cunningham and uh, and he's like right you've got a mandolin so we give him mandolin but it's one of the thin ones and he wants a large one that's like oh, this ain't great is it so Anyway, he managed to get the apple slices he wants, and he layers them up absolutely beautiful on this uh, puff pastry. Uh, then he cooks it, flips it, turns it, and it looks to the caramelisation of it all. It's beautiful, it's deep brown colour, golden colour, we'll call it, because that's nice, isn't it? Uh, and he serves it with a brown butter ice cream, which again was phenomenal. There was 48 people, he made 12 packers of brown butter ice cream. So I was thinking of his loads here and um, sat there getting the Rocher spoons ready for him. So that was, that was dessert, sorry, but throughout service, again, it was so much fun. He was out having banter with everyone and, and great. And the food was great. And like, like I said earlier, the, the care about the food, it wasn't overly complex. Again, it was the masala dish. It was really complex sauce on there, but Paul Cunningham made that uh, to his own spice recipe as brilliant uh, turbot dish came got the turbot it was a piece of turbot and the excitement at the back door when that turbot came in just made you feel super proud to where you were it was just like look how beautiful it is and it was just a care of the produce going through the back door which I think sometimes gets forgot uh, he said it with an oyster and some leeks dead simple but he cooks the fillet whole in a little bit of fish stock and then blitz the oysters into it and then served some oysters on the side and it was just phenomenal uh, the beef was beef bone marrow and beautiful beef and coffee sauce but again not much going on but the beef everyone was so excited about going through all the smells when he was cooking it everyone was getting involved uh, but this apple type, type thing came to service and it was the end of the night so everyone was just like yeah we've done it we're nearly there <laughs> uh, we got it to him his portion in it it's looking beautiful nice big slab with a bit of caramel sauce as well actually and it gives we give him Rocher spoons in the like little container we normally do. And he goes to James. It was James Nicklin. He goes, uh, "Can you find me the biggest spoon you've got?" So we get one of these big serving spoons that we use for buffets. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, that'll do." Have a tap inside, beautiful on the plate. And he goes, "Right, bowl of ice cream between two And he goes two massive scoops in each and it's coming out the side of here and goes let's get it gone then and I'm just thinking <laughs> this is mental this is sort of like yeah, everyone's even even sort of like us doing the kitchen who's been with it two star chef from Denmark so well respected phenomenal in the industry and what he does is amazing such a nice guy but you think he's going to want to share this he's going to want this he's so demanding nah and he's just like it's all about the flavour isn't it <laughs> What you want at the end of a meal is that beautiful tart and a massive bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and you couldn't disagree with him, that, because it's true. Yeah, that's so cool. And that's, that again, that full of dish was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Paul Prophet's lucky, lucky enough that he's coming across again this year. So he's going to do the first night of a food week again. We're lucky enough to go across uh, in May to go with him. But it's uh, it was just we've made a friend out of that night or two friends out of that night definitely and it's also it's made you think differently about food it's made you just go respect we always did in a way but respect that produce so much at the back 
and you don't have to do what everyone else is doing and you don't have to be fancy and this nah. and like canapes he said to us yeah let's make a quiche Lorraine and I was like oh do you want like a royale de spoon or something he's like no just want a quiche Lorraine Paul sorry sorry <laughs> <laughs> so who will make his quiche Lorraine but it was it just yeah. it was phenomenal and it gave so much to the team who were there and a couple of our team were lucky enough to eat it and we just it was nice because they were as excited eating it as we were in the back and that dish was just phenomenal and the people those two guys and I can't wait to get over there to eat there because I'm sure it's just as much it upset some of the people well it didn't upset some of the people we don't have music in the kitchen and we're listening to uh, We Are The Champions as we're sending out the starter on full blast from the ladder section which upset Fraser a little bit I think because he's normally like it's got to be exactly like this quiet <laughs> in the kitchen and I'm like I'm not arguing with him it's got to be where he wants it but the full night of that was phenomenal so if you had to choose one of these five I don't know how you're going to do it because they're all really no. personal what would you choose as your favourite? Uh I thought I knew you were going to ask this so I thought about it and just just because I think my career would be completely different without it it's the lobster because if I'd have not gone to work with Stevie and Chef Andrew and Dale and Russell and Lorna I wouldn't be sat here with you today because you wouldn't be bothered who I was <laughs> it's, it's, I'd be working somewhere with <clears throat> not my career path would have been different is most probably the nicest way of saying it but that dish, not only because of the memories from from that kitchen or the way that it set me out for my career or the finishing school, as we were calling it, but also the simplicity of the dish and how the produce is key and respect and self-discipline just make you... That should be in the forefront of your mind rather than, rather than being trendy, I guess, because I'm not trendy. Definitely not. I shop at Burton's. Literally, I look like one of the mannequins that walk through sometimes and that... <laughs> And our food's pretty much the same. It is. It is what it is. And it, but it makes you smile and it's tasty. And that's what we're after. So. Well, however way I've come to record <laughs> you and meet with you, I am so so happy I did. Like I say, wanted to get you on for a, a long while. Um, like I say, you've been on, on our radar since James made you aware of us, and I'm obviously delighted that we're going to be eating here tonight. And thank you so much for being on the pass. No, thank you so much. Thanks for coming and let's hope you enjoy dinner. My pleasure. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thanks again to our fantastic series partners, Chefworks. Check them out on social media. Just search at Chefworks UK in Ireland on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Hashtag Chefworks wearer if you wear Chefworks and you want to feature or get in touch with us and maybe you can appear as a chef of the month. Now that would be really cool to see a chefy listener of the past feature as a Chefworks wearer of the month. That would be really cool. You can get in touch with me on twitter as well at the past pod uh, i am also the underscore past underscore podcast on instagram or you can email me with stories of best dining experiences perhaps celebrities and restaurants is always fun uh, i'm at paul at the past podcast.co.uk and perhaps i will grovel with chef works for an apron for our best email that gets read out on the show that would be cool you can have your own 
apron, Chef Works apron. That would be really lovely to see somebody in that. Uh, you can take a nice picture for us. Cheers, guys, and uh, we will see you next time around on the Past Podcast. Cheers.